You're listening to 92.7 FM, WZBD, Burn, Decatur, Bluffton, Indiana. Well, good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to the Hager Hershey's Elk High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle. Once again, we're live at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. And, uh, Dane, uh, it's been a long day. I know a lot of people have uh, made their way over here after being out to high school, and uh, people have spent hours and hours in line to uh, view Paul Gunsett. And uh, kind of a somber day, but uh, I think tonight uh, we're going to do a lot of talking about both he and Jim Hopkins. And uh, be an interesting night, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I certainly heard a lot of stories just in the few hours that I was over at Belmont and uh, we're joined by Coach Calver right now and I'm sure he heard some more but we're going to try to share some of the uh, PG rated ones and maybe save some of the lesser rated ones for later on. I did hear Mr. Kentz try to uh, share off the tab that he was setting up for his brother. <laughs> we won't tell Dan. Maybe he's listening but to his his reputation his reputation his reputation precedes him because Easy she knew for you to she say knew exactly who he was. Yeah. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, yeah, I know you're John." So uh, you know, it was a busy weekend for us, Rex. We were in the car by oh, what time did B get done doing her haircuts? Nine thirty on Saturday or on so Friday yeah, morning. We left at ten. Uh, we made a stop at Arby's, but eventually we made our way to Mooresville. After we had a, I don't know, what would you call that, a verbal altercation? We had somebody that would rather sit and read her book on our table that we needed to set up all this equipment on and, and gave us all sorts of fits about it. And I said, don't worry, Dane, she'll be long gone before we're done. She was the last person in the gym sitting right next to us just to prove me she wrong. She was. I don't know who she was, but she was not happy that we were taking her spot. But eventually we got plugged in and got our extension cords um, don't mess with the women, boys. Have I not taught you anything in she, this year? The, the best part of it was they, they called the assistant principal over to make her move. And the assistant principal says, you need to move this for media only. She says, I'm not moving. And, and, the, and the assistant and principal went. He backed off. I don't, of course he did. I don't so, know what I'm supposed to do so, with this. So we just took the table and drug it away from her. She took her drink, just inhaled it, and we took the table away. So she didn't have much choice. So We, we no. duped a couple people into swapping spots with us. Said, hey, we need, our, we need to get closer to the extension cord. And then the four people that were standing next to her, they got, a, they got moved in a hurry. So. <laughs> and then uh, we had to worry about people getting excited and stepping on our power strip and turning the power off a couple of times. Meanwhile, our girl Ocampo won it again. It was no contest. And Jay County, our girl up there, won it again. That was quite a that was quite a match. Juliana's match, it, that was a really 7-0, strong 7-0, right? really strong weight class. But she was the class of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, she it, dominated Heather Crawl in the finals. the The crowd was great. Honestly, I was talking to a bunch of people that were there on Friday that were there at, at Belmont today um, for the viewing. That it can't be there next year. Yeah, that's just that's just not big enough of a venue to hold as many people that were there. Um, I don't really know why they moved it from Kokomo. I think Kokomo probably would have been a better venue, but they're going to have to find somewhere bigger to go next year. Either that 
or they're going to have to make the tough decision that they're not going to have 16 girls qualify there and be there all day because it was it was madness. You couldn't even – there was no parking there. The concession line we, – we, we walked in. Some guy was, was joking with the guy. He said, well, we're going to Rural King to get lunch because it'll take – less time to drive to Rural King and get food than to sit in line and wait for the concessions to Pop, go. So. Popcorn, right? But, but uh, we did talk our way into a free meal ticket from our, our friend Pat Culp, and uh, it was it was one of the best uh, lunch meals that we've had at a school in a Notice long the, time. Notice the first highlight that he talks about. Rex talks about food. The hosp- I get it. The I hospitality it. room. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, and we have proof of it because Dane took a picture of me with my free had, tickets, man. They had chicken parm. Chicken parm? She and then said, Rex she walks said. up, and they say, would you like the chicken parm? Would you like the pasta? He said, I'll take both, please. No. <laughs> I said, yes, please. Yeah. Well, uh, Jay County, at the uh, last event we were at, the Team State, they did a wonderful job with their food. They, yeah. That food was great. Breakfast, lunch, and uh, lunch. Yeah, our, our buddy Nat said that they were going to do pizza in, and he said, no, we're not. So he talked to a friend of his at a catering business, and that, that lunch – meal there with the the beef and the chicken was very good thanks Nat. well we're here at the double eagle and the food is great and we can listen to our crowd maybe to say how they thought of their food no there there we go they were paying they weren't paying attention to us i had the cheese curds of course and i i heard the uh, the egg rolls are back for tonight pulled pork egg rolls were phenomenal are they still do we still have any uh i don't know I jason got, I, I need I got, an order here I, I got mine that's all that's all i know is i got mine so Jay County, Jay County ended up with four placers. Uh, Emily Maynor ended up eighth, and Mallory Winter won at 160 pounds. Kylie Williams came back um, and finished fifth with two wins in the consolation, the fifth and place, uh, fifth and sixth place match. And Maddie Affolder was eighth. We had a lot of fun following them. There were a lot of Jay County people there. I got yeah. a question for you: If Mallory Winter was to wrestle against the boys. How would she do? I've seen her know. wrestle she's, against the girls. At, she's the bomb. She's really good. At that weight class, I think she'd be overpowered. One, she'd be overpowered at 60. But she doesn't look, I mean, at 160 pounds, she doesn't look it. Yeah. Um, she, it was a dog fight there at the end. It was 2-1. The, there was a penalty point, correct? What the heck was the penalty? For? Oh, she got called for a full Nelson. She she grabbed hold both sides of the headgear. It wasn't a full locking full Nelson, but she had both sides of the headgear. She got, got called. called for a full Nelson in the second period, and then she rode that girl out, and then eventually what got a reversal it? and cut on her back and got back points. I think. Yeah. Well, it says it's only two one. Yeah. She but, got a reversal well, nearly. Whatever you say. Rex. No, just about. She had her on the edge of the mat, out of bounds. That's right. That's right. And they didn't. They didn't call it. I can fix that. Yeah. It was. It was impressive. She was. Uh, you know, coming in as a freshman state champ and to repeat as a sophomore, we saw two girls in that tournament who were state champs way back as freshmen and then weren't able to repeat as sophomores or juniors and then came back and won as seniors and kind of bookended their careers. So that was that was pretty cool to see for sure. And the, the crowd was incredible. I couldn't believe how many people were there. And I just think looking at how many girls participated, um, you know, from the, the expanding to four regionals and how many girls, the, the increase in number, I don't see how they're going to be able to keep that tournament to just two weeks Yeah, next you know, year. You know, Dane, you and I were able to see the uh, first ever four-time girls state champion in Lonnie Davis, and 
She's the real deal. At 138, she <laughs> uh, dominated. She had a headlock and pinned that girl in the finals in about 16 seconds. Yeah, 16 seconds was all she needed. And as soon as she got up and she knew that she had won, she was flashing four fingers to everybody on all four sides. And I, I made the comment to a couple people today at the viewing. Uh, it's really cool to see that the girls have stopped trying to do exactly everything the way that the boys do it and put their own spin on it. Uh, you and I saw, you know, the cha-cha slide before the finals started. That's probably not anything that you ever saw um, at the boys' state finals, but it was fun. It had a good atmosphere. All of the girls who stuck around to cheer on their teammates were all into it. And, um, you know, if Bruce Timmy shows up, it's legit. That's the that's my last comment on the girls' state Bru finals. Bruce Timmy walked in and made sure Dana and I knew that he was there. Yeah, and I think that says something about Bruce Timmy's fandom. Uh, there were no Belmont girls there, there were no hmm. Adams County girls there. Uh, Bruce Timmy was there. He drove all the way to Mooresville to watch. He understood what it meant, and uh, kudos to him. Dean, you've got your live read for the Double Eagle Inn as you talked about uh, their great food tonight. So with that, I'm going to play some commercials here, uh, and we'll be back with more of the High School Wrestling Weekly here on WZBD. The staff at Haggard, Hershey, and Zelt Funeral Home is honored to serve the community we love and live in. Locally owned and operated by Ryan Hershey and Eric Zelt, we understand that each family we serve and each life lived tells a unique story. Our goal is to offer comfort, care, and dignity to all who entrust their loved ones to our care. We are proud to call Adams County our home and look forward to serving you for generations to come. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sandblasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. Welcome back to Hager Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill as we make our way to the first period as the uh, weigh-in section has ended. Yeah, and I thought we'd run through just real quickly to sum up everything at the Girls' State Finals. The, uh, the team scores, Penn ended up coming from behind and defeating Rochester and Southport, but one comment that we made, uh, one of the things that I really appreciated about the Girls' State Finals is there are a lot of teams and schools that don't necessarily have a whole lot of boys' success who had some success on the girls' side. And I think looking at it, you know, you see some success on the girls' side, I think that might spur some success on the boys' side. I mean, we don't hear a whole lot about Northview. Southport used to be a powerhouse. Used we don't, he don't hear much about them anymore. But, you know, getting kids excited about the sport, whether it's boys or girls, um, you know, Terre Haute North was in the top. We hear a lot about Terre Haute South. They've been in 3A Team State the last few years, but we saw some really good wrestling from them, and I think 
um, we're in a unique situation where I'm not sure that boys and girls basketball have the same effect on each other like boys and girls wrestling do. Um, but I think that it was really cool to see, especially with the, the sharing of coaches that we have right now, it may be 10, 15 years down the road now, it's not the same, but I really do think that they're playing off of each other. A lot of those, I mean, if we look at the top team scores, um, Harper was there for Penn, right? Yeah. Clint Guard was there for Rochester. Um, looking through a lot of those, Coach Myers was there for Jay County. He's got a full staff, but like he was there. Coach Myers was there for Hamilton Heights. You, you see that, I don't know, You just. I don't think you see that. In cross country, I think some small schools train together, and so they have some camaraderie. In swimming, you see it because they share the same pool and they swim. They swim at the same time. But I, I think you're seeing this sort of um, companionship between the boys' team and the girls' team that I didn't really expect. Thinking back 10, 15 years ago, you see the boys' teammates there to cheer on the girls. Maybe they just wanted to get out of school for a day on a Friday, <laughs> but I don't know. But uh, I, I thought it was a really fun event. And I, I'm telling you, next year is going to have to add either another set of regionals or another week to the tournament, another layer. Will yeah. State be in the same place? Next I don't year? know. Uh, it's it's hard to tell. Well, Gary said they move it around. They're, they're, they're planning on moving it to different events. Well, I felt like you were at Kokomo uh, two years ago, I right? I was, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty big venue. I yeah. felt like there was enough seating for everyone, but it, it was kind of hard, I think, with locker room space and with parking was really difficult. But – you know, we're getting to the point now, and it's the same discussion that we've had with Team State. It's really difficult to find a high school that has those enough, enough those room. types those types of venues. You know, Dane, that you know, Penn wins by you know fifteen, sixteen points, but uh, they brought so many more girls. I mean, it's almost like somehow they need to limit the number of girls that wrestle from one team. Well, that is a discussion. I've seen it on Indiana Matt now discussing: Are we to the point now where? Schools are going to have to go down to just one girl per weight class. That would make sense, and wouldn't it? that would be one way to limit the number of people involved and keep it at a regional state level. But I think some of the organizers are saying we don't want to limit anybody from being able to compete at this point. Yeah, if but these girls are willing to, you know, go out on the mat and risk it all, no, bring, bring it on, put them out there. Now, now, Penn, if you would have wrestled up just the finals and the people that put the most people in the finals. Uh, Rochester would have won it because they had more people in the finals. And, and, and we saw showing. Clint on the way out. I mean, he had a huge following. He had half his boys' team. He had all kinds of people there. And uh, it's just cool to see people getting behind it and uh, to have a full stack gym of, uh, of people cheering. And it was certainly loud, especially through the early weights. But it was a long day, too, and a lot of people, once their wrestler was over, they, they vacated. And, of course, nobody stays around for the heavyweights. But one day... One day we're going to start with somebody other than the lightest girl slash boy at one of these state finals, and those heavyweights flip, are flip the coin. Like those heavyweights are going to get their due. Yeah, because we've seen it. You guys have been going to state for forty or fifty years. Every year, nobody stays around to watch the heavyweights, and then they they don't get the same attention. You know, there was talk, Dane. We we said maybe run boys tournament and girls tournament at the same time. You know, when IHSAA sanctions it. Run them side by side. Get a big, big venue like a Lucas Oil Stadium and well, put, put see them all it. in there. A lot of people think that that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And I don't know if they will. Uh, it's certainly an interesting thing. And obviously, we've got this big road bump coming up next season with the state finals not being in Indianapolis. Um, maybe that's the time to make a switch, or maybe when they return, 
to Indianapolis, that's when girls get sanctioned. It's it's going to be interesting. You know, Robert's pretty close to the vest about what he's going to do. They don't really have an idea. It could be in Indianapolis. It's just not going to be in our normal venue. Now, I do have one bone to pick because I read the Indy Star this weekend that they have chosen to bump the basketball state finals back a week to accommodate them. But, but wrestling, wrestling wrestling has to move out of the city to somewhere else. That sounds pretty terrible. Evansville or perhaps Fort Wayne. The way it sounds, Evansville and Fort Wayne are the only two options. So, yeah, we'll move in. We'll the, move local, the local audience is cheering for Decatur as a, as a state venue. All i got to say is as long as it's not at Jay County, I'm for it. Sponsored by Kent's Insurance. Monmouth. We're going to have it at Monmouth High School. Well, we're going to do a quick rundown here before we move into our second section of our, our event. Talk a little bit about the weekend tournaments. Uh, Coach, you were at the Wild Bill. You said Wild Bill was in attendance himself. Wild Bill Ison will be 90 in another couple of weeks, and he was there handing out awards for the winners. And uh, a, a very well-wrestled venue. Carroll's first team was there. Their second team was at the Woodland Invitational, but their first team was at, at Concordia. You had Snyder there. You had McConaughey, and which let, led me to ask you, why wasn't McConaughey in the 2A state finals? They, were, they won the event. They were very good. Yeah, well, you got a lot of Snyder people who were advocating that Snyder deserved the last spot in 3A, and then McConaughey goes and beats them and Carroll. McConaughey was 2A, are they not? McConaughey was 2A. Um, my response to you was that McConaughey suffered a loss to Adams Central earlier in the year, but they were definitely in contention. I know when, when Coach Curry picked up that win, he was pumped about it. He said he should have been. Adam Central They're beating, very good. Adam Central beating McConaughey was a very good win for, for that team. So, you know, the Carroll team that we saw at the Al Smith, I didn't think looked very good. The Carroll team I saw on Saturday – looked much better and their backup team was at the Woodland Invitational and I think they finished second in that yeah. so they've got a ton of kids good athletes it's going to be a great dual match show up Tuesday night at, at Belmont because Belmont is going to need the help it's going to be a great match yeah is, is it that, should it should be a, a good time for everybody they're going to use that as their senior night I believe so. Yep. We've got uh, seniors Austin Christner and Henry Kukulhan and Bryce Rickard. And who, who I, think, uh, I think the coach, Tim, is going to have some kind of special awards for the past seven, uh, six coaches in, in Belmont history. Yes, I believe he is doing, and I do believe, I think I can spoil it a little bit, I believe Mr. Webb is going to be in attendance. I heard that. That's great. On Tuesday. so Number very, one, number two, and number three will be there. A very, very, very cool. So, uh, AJ alluded to the Woodland Invitational. Bluffton wins that over Carroll's B team and East Noble's B team. Um, they scored 257 points. And then at Garrett, I wanted to run through that real quick. Garrett takes first, 222 points. Constantine, Michigan with 165. Norwell with 164. East Noble with 163.5, and, and South Adams finished 10 or 12 points behind them. Uh, looking at the individual results, though, and I thought you guys might be interested in this, South Adams had some interesting ones all the way around. Dakota Sprunger takes third, but the one that caught my eye was Isaiah Meyer, won the Garrett Invitational. He's now 17-2. and two. He picks up a fall over the kid from Hammond. 
in the finals, beat the East Noble kid in the semifinals. I was really impressed with him. That's a freshman winning a, a uh, 138. Um, he's definitely a contender for um, a spot at semi-state, and uh, we all know that once you get to semi-state, it's really about your draw from there. Uh, Bullenbacher takes third. Silas Loshi got pinned in – track wrestling says six minutes. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was a true six-minute fall or if that was a glitch, but Loshi loses to Leach in the semis, comes back to take third place. And Maverick Somerset was your at champ. At 182. At 182. He moved up a weight class. He picks up falls in the quarters, semis, and in the finals over a kid from Hammond who was 25-2. and two. And South Adams, I think, has a, a, a pretty good overall day. And you guys talked about uh, Farnell. Uh, they still have him listed at 160, so that will be an opponent of Silas in Fort Wayne Semi-State if he stays at 160. You said the, old, the older one was at 60. He is a 60-pounder, and he's the real deal. He is, I think, ranked second in the state. I watched him, and if he didn't get the most valuable wrestler at that tournament, I don't know why not, because he and VZ were by far the best. But at 160, he's got a brother, a younger brother, that's a weight class above him at 170. But the uh, Farnell at 160, who split matches last year with Duke Myers at the semi-state and at the state for fifth and sixth. Duke won the fifth-place match at state. Farnell won the match at semi-state. But he is terrific. He's just a really outstanding kid. Yeah, they don't have Logan ranked in the top at, uh, let's see where he is. Yeah, he's second at 160, and then he's first in our Fort Wayne semi-state. No kidding. Logan is. Yeah. And then our final tournament to summarize, uh, the Jet Invitational. Rex, you and I were just petered out by the end of the night Friday. We, we got to my house at 1130, and that was <laughs> enough. Uh, Rex did partake in some gas station roller burrito. Oh no way! Action on it the way. It was a roller dog. It, it was a, a dog. It was a roller dog. I wasn't about to touch that, uh, but um, we did not cover the jet invite. But Adam Central wins it three seventy to Homestead's three thirteen and a half. They edged out Cowan by fifteen points, and then it was Dwanger and Huntington North and Southwood. After that, um, I do believe I have the full. Placements here, if I pull it up correctly. Miles Carr took fourth place at 106. At 113, it was Oliver Hindenlang taking sixth. At 120, Maverick Dubois was your champ. 10-9, beating Homestead's 120. At 126, your champ was Jackson Bradley from Cowan. And Jarrett Smith was sixth. At 132, Gavin Cook was your champ. He beat Jaden Jett from Cowan 4-3. to three. At 138, Logan Allman won 5-3, to three, so Adam Central winning a bunch of close matches there. Luke Toys was your champ at 145 from Huntington North. Eddie Everett took 6th. I'm sorry, 5th. I had it wrong. Caden Funk won his championship match 8-7 to seven over Austin Crowder from Homestead. Levi Abbott from Cowan was your overtime winner in the championship match. At 160 pounds, Cash and Reynolds took third. At 170 pounds, Max Carr finished runner-up. At 182, Wyatt McAfee was your champ. At 195, Trevor Curry picked up career win number 100 in his junior season. He was your champ. At 220, it was Adam Central's... Keegan Bloom, who was defeated 
by the Fairfield wrestler, Brecken Marin. So Bloom takes second, and your champ at heavyweight was Zach Burr. Chance Harris from Concordia at 220 mm-hmm. looked really good. Uh, yeah, 220 it, is going to be really competitive in our semis. It's going to be great, yeah. Hey, Dane, you got to read for Team Montreal about the Elia phenomenal. I do. Well, we gosh, uh, walking through Belmont's gymnasium today and looking at apparel, um, there was so much Team Montreal wear there. Team Montreal did all of the, the white Paul Gunson shirts. Um, they've done our high school wrestling weekly shirts. They did this year's team shirt with the picture on it. They did last year's team shirt with the picture on it. I mean, how many T-shirt companies are going to take a, a JPEG and make a shirt design with full figures and faces and make it look like it does? Uh, they look great. If you're interested in making, you know, sectional championship T-shirts if you're from the Fort Wayne area or you make a T-shirt every year for your semi-state qualifiers or your state qualifiers, Contact Team Mantra. They're great. Dane, do we have a, a number or a, 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 a web assi- yeah, website? Yeah, teammantrawear.com is okay. all, all you need to, to yeah. do. Uh, they're located in Bluffton on Main Street and uh, definitely the place to go to, to get your wrestling gear. And I'm going to get an email off to Kyle Johnlos and say, hey, let's open up the uh, Hager Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Western Weekly uh, online store once again. We'll get some of that swag out before the end of the season. With that, I'm going to play some commercials back with more and the second period right after this here on Haggard, Sefton, Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker drywall. Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the Midwest. That's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur. Brad Weber proudly supports the WZBD Wrestling Coaches Show. He also supports youth football in Adams County as a board member of the Decatur Football League and president of Belmont Cadet Football, giving our youth the chance to learn the great game of football. Some of the best football players in our area have also been fantastic wrestlers. That's why famous coaches like Joe Gibbs and John Madden always wanted wrestlers on their team. Find out more about youth football opportunities by giving Brad a call at 452-7045 or email bw at bradweberlaw.com. Welcome back to the uh, Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Rex, we're along with Dane Filling as we make our way into the second period. As uh, Dane, I know we just kind of talked about this being a kind of an open forum here as uh, there's a pretty good-sized crowd coming in here right now, and there's lots of uh, past Belmont wrestling shirts. I see a, I see a 98-99 shirt over there across the way at the bar, and uh, uh, lots of people have made their way in, and uh, we were told... When our show went on air, there was still about a two-hour line out the high school well, for viewing. Well, I can, I can imagine because the crowd was immense. Uh, there were there were people parking out, you know, the old soccer practice field near 224 who were just walking 
that way. But uh, as we transition into that part of the show, I do want to give everybody an update on where we are on um, our broadcast schedule this week. Of course, we have the final dual meet of the season for all county teams on Tuesday. That'll be the Carroll Chargers coming to Belmont. And then on Friday night, we will have the ACAC tourney. Um, I'm not really sure what time that broadcast is going to start, but it's going to be somewhere between 5 and 6, and I promise that you won't miss much. We'll, we'll cover as much as possible and go all the way through. That will be live from Woodland High School. And then, Rex, you always tell, I don't, you always tell me I don't tell you anything. Yeah. Saturday is at New Haven. It is not at Columbia City. Do not go to Columbia City. Yeah, you and, you and I had that conversation. You sent me a text. It's not at Columbia City. It's like, really? I didn't realize that Mary informed me. And, you know, if I didn't have Mary, I don't know what I'd do. You know, uh, we talked about uh, the crowd coming in here. And uh, we're joined in the uh, interview loft here by uh, one of the guys who kind of helped put that together. Uh, Dan Kentz of Kentz Insurance, one of our Dan Kentz. No, you're John you're, Kentz. Well, he, he, he did. How many times do I have to hey, tell hey, you hey. the good-looking one is here hey, tonight? I'm trying to keep your cover so oh, that, that oh, tab. Oh, that's right. I have a tab under Dan's name. Thanks. Yeah. That's right, Rex. You're absolutely right. Dan Kentz here. <laughs> but uh, everybody get a drink on Dan's tab, too. Feel so, free. So, so John had told uh, Jason, say, hey, we plan on having a lot of people here that uh, we're going to need a full staff. And Jason stepped up, and he's got plenty of weight staff here tonight. Uh, I think he loaded up and had a couple extra beer trucks drop by tonight, uh, John, just for you. I'll tell you what, guys. There's a lot of Purdue wrestlers in town tonight, um, counting spouses and stuff. There's 15 to 20 guys. And do not, whatever you're doing in Decatur tonight, do not pick a fight with somebody that you don't know because <laughs> there is a very good chance that it's an ex-Purdue wrestler, um, and you will lose. I, uh, I know. I, I'm not going to Unless you're an IU wrestler, then you'll probably come. Hey, by the way, guys, did you happen to notice the Rutgers-Indiana basketball score today? I did not. Yeah, it, it became a final over your heads, and I didn't know if you noticed it, so I thought I'd point it out. The everybody said it I, Yeah, oh, everybody thought Indiana's horrible. They got beat by Rutgers. Well, so did Ohio State, 68-64. to 64. I could be wrong on that, but I'm not a sportscaster, so. <laughs> Anymore. No, they won. They won. No, once a professional, always a professional. Yeah, there you go. And as a past broadcaster, I can tell you one of the biggest, the worst dreams I ever had was showing up at Delta when the match was somewhere else. Now, Rex has done that before. Yeah, that's horrible. I did it for volleyball. We were supposed to do a volleyball match one time, and Rex showed up at DeKalb, and I was sitting at Belmont just (laughs) waiting for the equipment. Oh, my. You know, he he, he said. We're like spouses sometimes, so sometimes communication. We could go to couples counseling together. He said, that that match is canceled. We're going to pick up the Belmont match. I said, okay. And I said, who are they playing? He said, DeKalb. I said, all right. And next thing you know, he's like, where are you at? And I was like, I'm at the wrong place. (laughs) That's pretty bad. Well, before we forget, we want to tell everybody that our show next week is right here. At the Double Eagle, 7 o'clock on Sunday, January 22nd. But if you're following the NFL playoffs, uh, you know that the following week, the conference championship games are taking place. And we carry those on WZBD as part of our Super Bowl coverage. So on Monday, January 30th, that will be our show after that. We get bumped for those sorts of things, John. Yeah, conference championship games and the Super Bowl. You brought me in to talk about some important stuff tonight, guys. And I, I will tell you that, you know, I've known Rex Brewer a long time and he was a state runner-up way before I ever was or before my, I even knew about wrestling. And all the years in broadcasting, Rex, you do a tremendous job. But I'll tell you what, out of everything, I just want to thank you for recommending the pulled pork egg roll here tonight. 
at the double eagle because out of everything you've done in your life for me, Rex, That's it. if anything, That's it. you made it tonight. Yeah. Tonight yeah. was, yeah, they're the bomb. Yeah, I have the distinction. I'm the first person for Belmont to make the state finals that didn't win. I'm the oh, first. I'm the first. Ouch. I'm the first runner-up in Belmont history. Ouch. But two hours later, Chris Malin got beat. So I was. He was the second. Second. Yeah, but you were first. And yeah, as you first. know, state runner-up is first loser. Yes. Yeah. It's like kissing your sister. It's getting no thrills. Yeah. Hey, well, let's, you guys. You guys brought me in. Do you want me to go? I uh, no. Me, how no. Do you, what I, do you want I don't me to know. Do? I don't know why we want to go this, but I will say that I think the coolest part of today was the picture of the very last second of Paul's state championship match in 1988. I w- this was kind of my first, let's get the story started here. Is that the most influential bout in the history of the program? Wow, it's a big one. It's I a, mean, if you really think about it, and for those that aren't familiar with it, Paul's state championship match, Paul would have been the last Belmont guy to wrestle. Yeah. And Sean McGinley from Cathedral would have been the last Cathedral guy to wrestle that night. Yeah. And basically, when they put their foot on the li- their feet on the line, whoever won won the state individual champ. state yeah. title, and yeah. whoever won won the team state title. Yeah, it was a big match. It was a huge match. If Paul loses that and Cathedral wins in '88, where does that take Belmont? Where does that catapult Cathedral? It took mm-hmm. Cathedral until after the team state era to actually win their first state title. Uh, that, that moment in that picture, I, I want to copy that photo. But if you ask Paul Gunsett about that year. If you ask Paul Gunsett about 1988, when he had to win that match in the state finals to win the team title, you ask Paul Gunsett about that, and Paul would say, you know, it took seven guys to win on Friday night because without those seven guys winning on Friday night, we didn't win a state title. Paul was never about Paul. Now, as he got older, maybe, <laughs> asking him in the kids, but Paul was never about Paul. Paul was about other people. And before I get too worked up, and I'm just going to take it right here and, and, and tell you that Paul Gunsett did, did so much for Belmont Wrestling. And to lose him in the same week that we lost Jim Hopkins, who did so much for Belmont Wrestling for 30-plus years, it just astounds me. It astounds me that two figures that are so important in Belmont Wrestling history, we lost them both at the same time. And I want to send out my sympathies you know, to the Gunset family, obviously, but to the Hopkins family as well. I was able to talk with Miriam, um, Jim's wife today, and Kara, his daughter, and sent these out to Ben and Nathaniel, his sons. Um, but I can tell you, Paul's, Paul's, Paul's classmates, Paul's classmates on that team, and there were, there were five of the six of us there today, uh, of the guys that, that brought home those titles, we saw Miriam, and we, we stood and waited for her because we wanted to tell her how much Jim Hopkins meant to us as wrestlers. And, and I, I don't know what AC wrestler it was, but one of them said it very well this week in one of your interviews, Dane, or earlier this week or maybe last week. And he said, it was a big deal to read that preview, match preview, and see your name there. You know how many other schools get match previews for wrestling? That Nobody. Was, that was actually Eric Myers who made that comment several years ago and just said, man, when you got mentioned just in the preview, not even. Then the, you reprinted it this year. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because I, uh, I never read your stuff a couple years ago, but no, you've gotten fine. a lot better that's since fine. then. I got it. I'll never. Yeah. You, do you remember the moment on this show when we interviewed Denny Hayes and he talked about what Belmont Wrestling was missing? And it was they were missing Jim Hopkins. This was as I was doing the interview. 
And Dane's like, oh, well, Danny, I, I'm, I'm the sports writer now. He goes, oh, I didn't know that. Well, I, I, I tried to put into words on Friday for Saturday's paper that, you know, I think if you try to look at it together, combine the two of them, I guess Jim was really, really upset on Friday night. I talked to Miriam. She said that Jim was actively driving to Team State when she found out about Paul, and she waited to call Jim until she knew he was not driving to tell him because she knew how upset that he would be. But I just kind of put into words, you know, I don't, I, I don't think Paul Gunsett and Belmont Wrestling are what they are without Jim Hopkins, and Jim Hopkins isn't, you know, in the Hall of Fame, at this legendary sports writer without those heroes to write about, and they just kind of built themselves up into superheroes. You talked to Tim Myers about how he felt about Paul as a young kid, about setting his goals and Paul being his role model. That doesn't happen without Jim turning him into a superhero. Oh, yeah. I, I think Jim made us all better than we really were. <laughs> I, I do. I, I think he, you know, if you had a tough match, he would talk you up and he'd say, but in the end, I think John's got him. I had one in ten chance of beating this guy. He knew it. I knew it. Everybody in the state knew it. But he gave me that hope. He he built us up. And, yeah, he's he's uh, – love him, hate him, because most of us do both. Let's be honest. And Jim was a, Jim was a hard man. To set. I told his wife today, I said, I love Jim Hopkins, the sports writer. I hated Jim Hopkins, the, <laughs> the baseball senator's coach. manager. Yeah. Yes. Little yeah, League senator's manager. He was the most hated man in baseball. Billy, you, you name it, everybody hated Jim. But you know what? When he walked through a wrestling gym, people respected him, had a, had a lot of love for him. And, and he is going to be missed. And I, I'm, I just had to bring that up before we move on to Paul. I do have uh, information from Miriam on Jim's arrangements. Obviously, it's a difficult situation, unexpected nature of his passing, the fact that they live in Texas now, um, the two kids living in different places. But I can give you this if you're listening. On Saturday at Decatur Grace Fellowship, and Miriam told me that um, when Jim was in town, that's where he wanted to go to church. So that's where the service is going to be. That's on 7th Street. There's going to be a service at 11 a.m. on Saturday for Jim. And immediately following that, there is going to be a celebration of life. And what, a, what better place to have that celebration than right here at the Double Eagle? So uh, Jason is working on those. And um, I think we're going to get Jason figured out. He's going to turn on the wrestling over the speakers so that everybody here can do exactly what Jim's going to do, uh, would want them to do. And that will be here... Um, starting at 1 o'clock from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill as we honor the life of uh, two-time media award winning uh, from the Coaches Association Hall of Fame, Jim Hopkins, next Saturday. So, Dane, why don't you give a quick plug to the Fort Wrestling Facility. We'll go back for a commercial. Oh, this is perfect. A perfect plug since we have John here with us. They are not only doing a, uh, a, a girls wrestling session after the boys season. We talked about that a lot in our Friday broadcast. But he's actually opening up an old man session. Oh my God! No. That you and your friends, you and Dan, can <laughs> head on up to Troy. Can go. Rod can go, and you can go up to Goshen Road, and you guys can get on the mat. Hey, we've had enough funeral viewings. We don't need uh, another. Yeah, one. right. We had a ten thousand dollar offer for Dan and I to wrestle on Madison Street, <laughs> one match, and they would donate ten thousand dollars to charity. And I said, I don't. You know, my life insurance is more than that. <laughs> My wife will pay 20 probably if I don't do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, be an earth. Yeah, I'm not scared. Where is he? Is my brother here? No, but his tab's open. Yeah. <laughs> with that, let's send it. Let's uh, go to a commercial here. We're back with more of the Haggard Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery in Decatur, Indiana. We are celebrating 75 years in business with three generations of Heller still working. During these winter months, we have a great selection of pottery and houseplants in our greenhouses. New shipments in weekly, and stay up to date with Heller Nursery on Facebook. Stop in at Heller Nursery for a breath of fresh air. Don't forget, Heller Nursery is open seven days a week, including Sundays. Check out hellernursery.com for our spring tree and shrub options. The staff at Haggard, Hershey, and Zelt Funeral Home is honored to serve the community we love and live in. Locally owned and operated by Ryan Hershey and Eric Zelt, we understand that each family we serve and each life lived tells a unique story. Our goal is to offer comfort, care, and dignity to all who entrust their loved ones to our care. We are proud to call Adams County our home and look forward to serving you for generations to come. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sandblasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. Welcome back to Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Once again, once again uh, Rex Grill and Dane Filling still joined by John Kintz. And, uh, John, uh, it's easy to read your commercials as, uh, you know, life, home, family, uh, insurance, uh, all of my family, insurance with you, home, car. I've been with you guys forever, and uh, it's, uh, it's a great local business. And, like, we read the ad that uh, you were one of the first advertisers that stepped up in 1980, at least your father was, to, uh, to support wrestling on the radio, and you're still with us. It's kind of like he was one of the original sponsors of Belmont Wrestling at the school just so I could get a starting place in the lineup. <laughs> he bought your way into I'd the like lineup. To, I'd like to thank my dad for that. Yeah. <laughs> bought your way into the lineup. Yeah, yeah. It, there was kind of a Tanya Harding incident there for a while, but, hey, it worked out. Nobody knows. It's not like this. Not like people are listening to this, right? What it cost to get Dan? I'm kidding you, Dane. Everybody listens. What it cost to get Dan a spot? <laughs> <laughs> Coattails. Coattails on me, yeah. Well, we certainly hope that you join us uh, this week for our coverage of the dual meet on Tuesday as Belmont takes on Carroll, and then on Friday for the conference meet at Woodland for the ACAC, and then, of course, Saturday all day as we cover the NE8 meet at New Haven. And then after that, it's time for the state tournament, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun heading to Jay County for sectional and regional and then, of course, the marathon day at the Coliseum for semi-state and two entire days of coverage. I mean, it's turned into what used to start, you know, they'd get started maybe a little bit after 6 and they'd be done at 10.30 on Fridays. Now we're practically on air from, I don't know, what time they start that session, 10 well, o'clock? Well, 11 o'clock, and then the commission said that he was going to move that this year, and I think it was going to start about 2, and he was going to have a smaller break between session 1 and session 2, and only about like 30 minutes to give his – his uh, table staff and the referees. A, did a he break. consider high school wrestling weekly when he was making the schedule? He did not. I don't think mm. he did. Oh well. Oh well. Well, we're certainly excited for the state tournament, and uh, 
we got a lot of fun storylines. We've got, uh, you know, we, we talk about Austin Christner, whether he's going to be back. I talked to his dad today. They're hopeful that he participates in this weekend's conference tournament. That's going to be great news for Belmont as they try to uh, win back that conference crown after losing those two dual meets at the NE8 duels. Should be a lot of fun. If you're not sure you want to ask him, he's sitting on a corner right over there by his brother-in-law. ACAC tournament? I mean, how many times have we gone into that tournament thinking AC's got this or Jake County's got this, but then it, it completely turns and flips? Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I think we're going to turn the rest of the show into a, a little bit of Paul Gunsett storytelling. Saw a lot of Purdue wrestling shirts today. Um, I don't see Tim or Jason here, but I, I will share one story that Tim Ortiz shared today after we spent some time in the Belmont wrestling room. Tim was talking about they were, I think it was the second day of the state tournament from Conseco, and they were all tired and they were ready to go home and they didn't do as well as they thought or whatever. It was a long weekend, and they split up into two white buses or vans or whatever they were, 2001, 2002. And Tim was in the, the bus or the van that, that Paul was driving, and somebody was else was in the, the van that either Phil Team or, or B.J. Ferret was driving. And Tim said he fell asleep, and he woke up, and somebody yelled, and he looked out the window and said, Welcome to Ohio. Oh, my gosh. And oh, Paul, my gosh. Paul I... had taken I-70 oh. east out of Indianapolis, and he had kept driving on it all the way till he got to the Ohio state line. Oh, my gosh. Keep my mic live because <laughs> I wasn't going to tell this, but – Paul Gunsett was driving, and we went to, to scout Delta as, as our junior year, year of 87, okay? okay? 87. Hadn't won state yet. We hadn't beat Delta in forever. Because they, they won. They, they won, won five in five a row. Five in a row. Yeah, 80, 80 through, 81 through 85, I think it was. And we never beat Delta. And we went, scouted them. Paul was driving, car full of wrestlers. I'm in the back seat. And I go, Paul, where are we? He goes, well, I don't know. We're on our way home. And I look up, and the sign says Winchester, 10 miles. <laughs> That's the wrong direction. Yes. So when we got to t Highway 27, left is north to Decatur. Right is south to Winchester. Paul, Paul turned right, and the guys in front, that everybody was laughing, and I didn't know why. Well, that was why. <laughs> Paul and I moved my sister from Indianapolis to Chicago. Paul was driving on the way home. I wasn't paying attention, doing whatever, talking. We're having a good time. No cell phones. I look up, and it says Indianapolis, 18 miles. <laughs> and I go, Paul, did you notice 30 anywhere? Highway 30 goes home. And he goes, well, I don't know 30. He goes, I know 460, 469. <laughs> Yeah, so we came home from Chicago via Indianapolis. Paul had no sense of direction, none. And I wasn't going to tell that story, but oh, yeah, my gosh, you bring that. that that's is, crazy. That is perfect. <laughs> One time uh, I was usually when Paul was head coach, I would go with him to the Al Smith-Mishawaka seating meeting, and uh, Paul would drive the team bus, and Sean and Tim would be in another one, or Raza would drive one, and they'd race up to the hotel and, uh, my wife and I was, would always drive separate, but we'd stay in the hotel with them. And so one time we're completely checked in. Like we probably had a beverage or two, and you know we're waiting. When's the text going to come? When's Paul going to come? Finally, the team arrives at the hotel, and the seating meeting is supposed to be at like 6 o'clock. And it's 
555. I'm like, Paul, we have got to go. <laughs> we are not going to make the city meet. Oh, we'll be, we'll be fine. Oh, blah, blah, blah. So we, we take him in the van, drive him over to Mishawaka. We're running through the parking lot. I'm running. He's following. Seating meeting's already begun. We get up the stairs of that old high school up there at Mishawaka. I said, so we're, we're going to go in, right? Because Kyle Lawson, I think, was our best lightweight at that point. So we got to get in there. Lawson needs to get a seat. Oh, there's pizza, you know, over here on the side with, with beverages. <laughs> well, I'll just get some pizza first. I said, Paul, we got to go. No, we got plenty of time. He gets his pizza. He waltzes in. Where do you want to sit? I'm like, Paul. He, he sits down. He looks at me. What weight are we on? Oh, 138. And so Kyle missed a, a seating because Paul, oh wanted to, Paul wanted to get some extra, <laughs> some extra pizza in the lobby before. I told Kyle Lawson that story last week. He laughed so hard. Um, he had worked so hard to Mishawaka tournament. He didn't get a seed. Um, Paul had called Kyle after his diagnosis, and Kyle shared the story with me. And Kyle said, I should have been the one telling Paul that he transformed my life. And Kyle said it was exact opposite. Paul called him at some point in between diagnosis and surgery and told Kyle that barely no one in his life had ever had a bigger impact on his life than what Kyle had had on Paul when Paul was a head coach. And Kyle, he shared this story with me last week. He said, I, I didn't know what to say to him, and I still don't know what to say now. Wow, that's amazing. That – you know, he is a, you know, Kyle started wrestling in fifth or sixth grade and then sort of came onto the high school and was a squirrely kid that they like to call a little, little white rat. And that it was kind of annoying. And then all of a sudden, the kid just kept, I mean, you remember him when he first started, just had oh, yeah. a, a motor yeah. that never stopped. Oh, yeah. And eventually that turned into, you know, him being a state qualifier. But uh, to, to hear Paul say, hey, you changed my life as one of my wrestlers. I think really stuck with Kyle and I was sitting around with with Coach Myers and Coach Farot last week and they were talking about kids that they really want to see come back and give something to the program. Kyle Lawson was on the on the it, top you of know, the list. I, I can't believe you know God works in crazy ways. You you fed me right into the Paul Gun set. Can't tell the difference between right, left, north, and south. You're feeding it me into Kyle Lawson as well because. Today at the viewing, I was standing there, and I saw Kyle Lawson at the casket standing alone. And I went up to him, and I put my arm around him. And I, I don't know Kyle that well, but I know how much Paul meant to him. And I said, Kyle, we lost a brother today. And Kyle said to me, I'm, a, I'm not going to get choked up, but Kyle said to me, you lost a brother, I lost a father. And that's what Paul meant to Kyle. And Absolutely. For, so for you to feed that feed that this is no setup this is you know this is a story of paul gunsett coming out right now you know kyle told me a couple years ago he said that when he started a wrestling program that his family was not in a good way and he said it wasn't just paul and the coaching staff helping him but it helped his whole family kind of elevated them to a lot better place that's yeah, amazing for for sure and 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 thinking about kyle's career and where he's come and to see him refereeing the uh belmont middle school triple duel um, wrestling's a part of his life. and you JV know, tournament if, last week as if well. You, Belmont, if yeah. you think about fifth or sixth grade Kyle, and maybe Sean Farrote's the best person to talk about this, but um, 
yeah, Kyle's not where he is with without Paul. And, and to hear you say that about uh, Paul as a father, it, it, it says a lot. And it, it's not my intent to choke you guys up because <laughs> it's I'm easy okay. to do though. To keep it, today's <laughs> been a long, very exhausting day for the Gunset family, but for the for Belmont wrestling as a whole, I mean, looking across the room, just seeing a wrestler from 25 years ago or a wrestler from two years ago, and you make eye contact, and you know there's that sadness in both of you because we've lost, we both lost somebody that's important to us. You know, and Dan asked me when he got here, he said, "Are they going to?" Everybody keep asking you to record this, and it's like. This is a high school. I'm John Rex. I'm Dan. Thanks, though, for covering on the, the whole Dan tab, the bar tab issue. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, everybody talks about, you know, High School Wrestling Weekly. We're a big deal, Dane. They record this and put it on a podcast. It'll, so, be, it'll be out there for everybody to listen to. So if uh, Dave Nathan does his job like he always does. He, be, like, he better tonight. Probably like Monday, Tuesday, it'll be, uh, it'll be brought on and uh, just go on to the WZBD podcast page and fire it up and uh, i listen to it every week just to make sure that we haven't done something silly but uh it, it will be there and uh, all the episodes are there past episodes are there and then also our buddy joe caprino puts it on indianamat.com uh, right next to gorilla radio so it will be out there as well so whichever way is easiest for you to get to it it will be there john i got one to share with you today i was uh pretty upset they're cheering for you yeah there's my fan club i was pretty upset after i made my way through the line and uh you know, the next step, no matter what viewing you're in, you, you go to the casket and you look. And I had to laugh as I was standing next to my wife because when Paul was head coach, the last thing that he wanted to do was worry about shirts and design and all these other yeah, things. Right? Yeah. I tried to write that in my in my column this week that, you know, he was the technician and that's all he wanted to do was talk about the wrestling. So my wife had this idea that we were going to uh, not just do a shirt, but we were going to do jackets and sock hats and all these other things. <laughs> And I remember one night, Paul came over. It must have been after a November or December dual meet. And he was giving my wife crap about all these extra options. And he told my wife, nobody is ever going to wear that jacket. And guess what he has on in the casket right now? No, I he's got He's got that Belmont wrestling jacket on. It's full, full zip gray yeah. that he was always giving her crap about. I did not notice that. That's awesome. Hilarious. That's Hilarious. awesome. Well, I've, got one, I've got one story to share um, about Paul and you know state champ great guy great classmate great coach but I want to tell you about Paul Gunset Paul Gunset the man this was last year at state last year at state individual wrestling tournament it's Friday night it's a, been a long night already it's late Paul gets a phone call from one of his classmates from Purdue one of his wrestling friends from Purdue wrestling buddies he says, Paul, come meet me. I'm here. And Paul goes, no, I can't do it tonight. And I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him Trey. Okay. He says, no, Trey, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I got to get up early. He goes, come on, Paul, just come meet me. So Paul says, all right, I'll come meet you. Um, and, and then I got to go. Paul gets there. His friend is very intoxicated. Paul says, let me get you back to your hotel room. Long story short, he has a key card for a hotel at the Hilton. Paul gets him to the Hilton, and it's getting later and later and later. They get to the Hilton. They go to the room. The key card doesn't work. They go to the desk. They tell him, he's not staying here. We don't have him here. There is another Hilton, the Hilton Garden Inn. He's probably staying there. So they go cross court, cross circle, getting later and later and later. Go to the room. Doesn't work. 
go to the desk. He's not registered there either. So Paul says, Trey, let's just, just come back with me. Just come back to my room. It's getting late. I got to be up with the team at 6 a.m. Saturday morning of state finals. They get back to the room, and Paul's wife, Amy, and his son, Patrick, are in the room. And he has Amy go over to Patrick's bed and says, hey, Trey is going to stay with us tonight. And she's like, Paul, really? He goes, Amy, he needs to stay here. So Amy moves over. Paul and Trey stay. Long story short, Paul gets about 35 minutes of sleep that night. 35 minutes of sleep, and he's got wrestlers in the state finals. But he was not going to leave his buddy, his wrestling mate, his teammate, out there in the streets of Indianapolis by himself. And Paul spent the entire night trying to find his way home with him and never found it. Turns out he was staying at the Hyatt. (laughs) Started with an H. It started with an H. But that's Paul Gunsett. Paul Gunsett would sacrifice himself for others every single time. And that's why there were a 1,000 people there today. So, Dane, uh, give a quick uh, rundown uh, as you want to talk about 8th Street Oil as our, uh, our sponsor. And uh, Duke Myers had 10 takedowns this week. 10 takedowns. Where was he? Team? At which match? Team State. Yeah, we already gave that one away, remember? Oh, we man. had nobody here. It, it's, been all, it's all been a blur. All these people out here, all these <laughs> people all out here, you're not giving away a, a takedown? No, nobody got eight, eight takedowns. Well, he had two from the week before, at so that's two. And then somebody else got six, so at, that's eight. At, at conference. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll have right. somebody pick it up. Well, yeah. we got two conference tournaments to do. Yeah, the, ne- the next time you go to give away a thing, there'll be four people here. <laughs> well, so, Ace Street Oil offers tire repair, maintenance, to go along with their best in the business oil change service. Uh, Johnny's one of those guys who did his time, learned the trade. Uh, he's a classmate of mine. Now he's opened up his own business. He deserves your, uh, your business and support. He's out there to make uh, your experience the best possible. Change your headlights, change your wiper blades, all of that. He's got a cup of coffee in the waiting room, as we always say. Um, yeah, and he'll work with you on whatever you need. Give you a good price and uh, check them out at 8th Street Oil today. Let's, with that, we're going to send it back uh, for some commercials. Actually, I'm going to play the commercials here, and then we'll back our overtime period right after this on a Haggard Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best. Paul Baker Drywall. Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the Midwest. That's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. 
Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street, Indicator. Welcome back to the Hager Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. And once again, Dana, this this probably is our largest uh, show ever with our studio attendance, uh, with our uh, on-show attendance here. But uh, it's it's for a good reason. Lots of people here, and uh, Jason uh, stepped up and, uh, per John's request here, uh, had full staff for us, and uh, I think it's turned out well. Absolutely. And uh, we want to reiterate the arrangements for tomorrow. The funeral is at 11. It's at Zion Lutheran on Monroe Street. If you're not in attendance, you can watch on Zion's YouTube channel. But I think maybe the biggest tribute that we're able to pay, Paul Gunsett's funeral will be broadcast on WZBD live. And I don't know. I know I talked to our station owner. He said that um, the young man from Bern who... Uh, who, who died uh, military, that that funeral was broadcast, but this is sort of, we're in an unprecedented uh, situation here, but we talk about your family and your connection with sponsoring wrestling on the radio, going all the way back to when AJ started in, in, in 1980. I mean, you think about all of the interviews that Paul gave, all of the matches that were called on WZBD, on WADM, uh, no greater tribute than than for, for us to uh, simply flip the switch and let you hear Pastor Borman and his service tomorrow from Zion. And then we also want to remind people of the service for Jim Hopkins at 11 a.m. on Saturday and then right here from the Double Eagle after that at 1 o'clock as um, we pay our tributes to somebody who really put his entire career, you know, to Belmont Wrestling, to Decatur, to Adams County, to high school sports, and uh, certainly had a big impact. So with those of you that just listened to the on-air version, I would like to thank Steve Rouse for running aboard for us. I'd like to thank all of our sponsors that uh, allow us to talk on here. And uh, now the uh, first hour has ended. We're going to go into our podcast section that uh, all of this uh, broadcast will be on the podcast section. With that, I'd like to thank everybody, and we'll tune in next Sunday night here at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Steve, now we're going into the podcast session. All right, we're going to open up. It's story time, boys. Everybody at this table, somebody come up here and get this. Pat. Well, I'll tell you what. What you're looking at there is uh, the class of 1988. You've got Rod Buzik, who Rod Buzik holds, I believe, I believe he holds the record for the most weight gain in percentage. You make fun of me, Rex. I'm close. But yet, but when, yet when we talked about most weight gain ever, we think it's between the two of you. So, Rod, come up here a second. Just, just a moment, Mike. Rod, come up here a second. Let's settle this once and for all. Who has the biggest weight gain percentage? Somebody get their calculator I out. Got it Stephanie, here. can you do that? I got the calculator. I'm telling you, it's going to be close, folks. Rod, grab this headset. Come on, buddy. This is Rod Buzik. Rod, look, everybody can see. You see what's on the back of Rod's shirt? Turn around so these guys can see it. Boozik, 105 pounds. Okay. The Society hey, for the Preservation. What's your current weight? Uh, 210. 210. So 105 I still, I still to 210. I still got him. 105 to 210 to 105. I still got him. What's that percentage, Rex? Well, that's, percentage. that's, that's 100%. 105 to 210, that's a double. Yeah. 
All right. I got okay. about two pounds yet. You think? I still do. No, it's not. It's got to be percentage, not just poundage, because you know. All right. So Rex, what did what did you wrestle? One nineteen. What do you live? What do you weigh now? Two thirty one. Two thirty one. Yeah. He's got one nineteen. Put him. Put him in the media guy. Yeah, Rod Buzik, you are forever known. I don't know whether to be proud about that or know. not. I don't know, buddy. The only problem is I had a big weekend. I wouldn't normally oh, do this big. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, Rod, while you have the headset on, Rod, Rod wrestled all four years uh, at, at Belmont, and he was in the class, graduating class with Paul Gunset. And not only that, Paul, who is now joined with his teammate and also aviator Mike Tricker, they both spent uh, four years at Purdue. Well, almost Mike four years, Rod three years at Purdue with, with Paul. So at this time, guys, I thank you for what you do for Belmont Wrestling and what you do for Adams County Wrestling and wrestling across the state of Indiana. I'm going to step out, and you can talk to guys that truly knew Paul. As a young man and as a just a teammate and a friend. Well, I can tell you that Paul certainly wore his Purdue fandom and his Purdue pride proudly. He was a he was a, a proud Purdue guy, and he would tell you that, and unless unless that little bit of Buckeye showed through in him, yeah, out of out of his father. But most of the time, it was all Purdue. Oh, definitely. I mean, he was all in with Purdue. Um, you didn't walk around Decatur and see him Paul in anything but Purdue. So, um, yeah, he was all in on Purdue. So, talking about, make sure we got our volume right here we were mentioning earlier um as you walked through the line today uh, there was that picture of paul's final moments wrestling sean mcginley and you guys winning the team state title tell us a little bit about what your recollection is where were the two of you in relation to that match were you in the stands were you in the hallways were you mat side where were you yeah paulie was uh before me uh, with the weight class and uh, what he was able to do to ensure that we would be state champions definitely was part of our Belmont history. You know, I uh, I think of that day and um, I don't know where I was, to be real honest, Dane. I mean, like, I could have been in the stands. I, I could have been way up the ceiling, but um, the one thing that I always remember is is that he's sitting on the mat, and I don't know if, if there's video of him showing it or not, but he's jumping up on both of his feet, and he's so excited. like He's like telling Sean McGinley, come and get me, and uh, he was so pumped up. And um, I think he was up probably three or four points at that time, but he was – it was just like – just pumped up. And I've never seen anybody – just as like excited about like I'm gonna get this thing done and just bring it on and so that's that's my memory of him on the state mat on like underneath the lights he was sitting there and he's he was all in well certainly if you look back at it and you look at some of the margins that Belmont won by in some of those other years I don't think anybody ever faced more pressure in a single bout than what Paul did that night Right. I mean, the fact that it was 
all or nothing. You either won the individual title and the state title, or you won nothing. And you watched Cathedral, who was pretty much, a, you know, a pretty big rival and has been for, you know, three or four decades since. Um, I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever faced more pressure to win a match than what Paul did that well, night. It was such a contrast from the year before where he was injured and Kreider was injured and they came to the mat and took their fourth place, you know, forfeit. They injury defaulted and Belmont all had it wrapped up. It was all over but shouting. The following year he comes back and then it's all on the line. So it's like contrast from one year to the next was just extreme opposites. And I always think of, of, of Paul and that, that confidence that it gave him as he went into his college career but then also his coaching career. You know, he would go, and I went to a lot of tournaments with him. It didn't matter what tournament he was in, what room he entered in. He sort of had that, that, that feeling of confidence that he belonged in any risk wrestling situation. He was ready to have a conversation with someone because he knew that he belonged there. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, you know, uh, watching him through elementary school, wrestled with him then, wrestling through middle school, watching him through high school, watching him develop. I mean, like, you know, he was the average Joe when we were in elementary school, and uh, he just turned it on, and he got to the high school, and he, uh, four-year state streeter, I mean, it was, it was incredible to watch his journey. It, it really was. So we've talked a lot about Paul as coach. When you guys look at back at your time with Paul, and you think of the coaches that he had and that you guys had, who do you think had the biggest impact on him as a coach? Well, I mean, Denny Hayes, he definitely was the mastermind of all these things. And uh, you look at Phil and John Freed and all they did for us and our program, it is just, there's no words that express that. I mean, Denny Hayes was ahead of his time. We and he was neighbor to Paul, but we'd go and watch video and trying to figure out how could we get better. And Paul was right there with all of us. And Denny would say, you got to do this, this, and this, and this is the kid you're going to face in state. And, I mean, truly impressive of what Coach Hayes was able to put together for us to be successful. Now, I have to ask you guys a question. I, I've... As I went through some of the pictures from 87 and 88, there were some pictures from a pep rally after 88. And I talked to Paul Baker today, and he told me that it was on Sunday, so it was the day after you guys got back because Saturday was pretty wild from what I understand. But there's a picture of Paul doing a flip surrounded by a ring of cheerleaders, and then there was a picture that was next to it in that sequence and it shows Denny Hayes, and he's kind of doing the twist. Do you guys remember any of that uh, group of uh, – how big was the, the rally? What did you guys do when you guys came back on Sunday? Tell me a little bit about that. So what I can remember is I do remember Denny Hayes doing that, and uh, it was pretty wild times. And um, I get it mixed up with uh, assembly where we had the whole school come in, and um, I can still remember um, – that night but but i also remember and i can't remember if it was the uh the school assembly or not but the whole wrestling team was in the upper stands of belmont and we were doing walk like an egyptian there's and, a picture of that too and it that's that's what i remember the most is that we're all in the stands wrestlers don't know how to dance 
And, of course, we're trying to walk like an Egyptian. So that was, that was a good memory. You know, you guys talk about Coach Denny Hayes being an influence. You know, Denny was one of those guys that when A.J. was the head coach, Denny was the assistant, and he said, we need something different. we got to have something different. And he saw this little thing about the Granby School of Wrestling, and he said, you know what, I'm going to take my 1973 Ford Conline van. He took all the seats out of it. He loaded 12 of us in the back of it, and we went and spent a week out there. And I tell you what, that group of guys that went to that tournament, uh, to that uh, camp, one year I was runner-up, the next year Grody was runner-up, next year Franzi was runner-up, and it was because all three of us guys were at that Granby School Wrestling Camp, and that's the kind of thing that Denny Hayes drove us out there. We spent a night at his uncle's house uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, and come back, and it's like those kind of things that coaches just step up and do things, and it's you know, like the guys today will take their, team, their teams to Disney, the Disney duels. It's like that kind of stuff that just kind of goes unmentioned. People don't understand what coaches do to support it and you know paul did that kind of stuff danny did that stuff i mean all the coaches have done that and it'll be interesting to see those uh, all the coaches that are gathered together next week so i would i would add rex i mean like as we talk about the three coaches that we had um you know that influenced us i think we had three different individuals we had denny hayes that was the visionary guy that he went out and got different you know he was he was trying to find what's new and then he then we had the uh, John Freet. John Freet was the guy that if you were down and he was a consoler, like he was putting your arm around you. He's like, you know, keep working at it. You're going to be fine. And then you had Timmy. Like if, like if you were goofing around in practice. He grabbed by the scruff of the neck and smack you around. Exactly. And I, I think it took all three of those guys. Yeah, it really did for, for us. The, for the next generation, I can yeah. confirm that the, those guys are the same way, yes, for sure. Also on the mic with us, uh, Ryan Fiesel here. Made his way to the mic. Yeah, and I, and I, I tried to write about that in my column for Saturday, that when I first started following Belmont Wrestling, late 90s, early 2000s, they had that perfect mix of coaches. John Freet was the guy who wanted to coach the, the, the lowest guy in the room, and BJ was the guy who would motivate you, but Paul always seemed to be the guy who knew every part of things technically and was that technician. And, and I even wrote that Paul was the guy who would wait patiently for all the other coaches to talk to somebody after semi-state or state, and then when everybody had given all their advice, then Paul would pull that kid aside and say okay now next time that this happens to you you have to do this and then he would demonstrate it on you and it just seemed to have that that technical knowledge that i think you know we're always going to miss i mean people there's a lot of talk about all of the effects of everything that's happened with paul and it's really really sad but like from a technical level belmont wrestling suffers now with the loss of his knowledge and his technical ability that's not something that's going to be easy to replace in this program, and I think that's one of the things that makes it most difficult. You know, you guys you guys talk about all the state championships you have. You know, the coaching staff that we have, you know, Kenny Webster and then A.J. and then Denny Hayes, those guys were building these state champions. We didn't have five state championship coaches in our room. We had guys that knew something about wrestling, and they just worked and worked to get better until they built these teams. Where do you think you guys got those five state championship coaches in a room now? You had to build those guys through tradition. It's like... You know, you had to start from someplace. We didn't benefit from having state championship coaches, but we were those guys that become the state placers and the state guys that made it in the finals. And I counted in the uh, media guide last night. You know, starting in 79, we went eight years in a row, put somebody underneath the lights. That doesn't happen at every other school. 
Yeah, and it's going to be really cool because Tuesday night, Ken Webb's going to be there. And uh, we saw Ken last year at Martinsville, and a big proponent still of the Belmont Wrestling Program, but somebody who hasn't been around a lot of these people over the last decade, but really excited to bring him on. And I think Tim's going to line things up for him to be your guest on Tuesday, pre-match or post-match. Okay. And uh, I know that Tim has gone through, he's jumped through a lot of hoops, but uh, he's got a special gift for all of the previous head coaches, and I believe that Daniel's going to accept on Paul's behalf. Um, it's a, it's a close-knit group and something that not everybody understands what being a head coach is like. And, you know, for Paul's five years, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy taking, for one, it wasn't easy taking over for B.J. Farrote, right? I mean, you're taking over for an absolute legend. And not every coach is the same in trying to adjust to your own coaching style. And we talked a little bit, Ryan, about how, you know, Coach Gunsett was so technically sound. But, you know, he didn't have that B.J. Farrote just scream at you, motivate you, ready to jump off a cliff for him but Paul did a really nice job I think of drawing other people in and sort of assembling collecting uh, assistant coaches who were able to help him accomplish what he wanted to and then I also give Paul a lot of credit for turning things over to Tim when he did and recognizing that it was Tim's turn to lead the program and then finding his spot as an assistant last year and, and at the start of this year and, and, and sort of staying in that position where he felt like he was going to do the best. And the, there's never going to be any question from anybody, did Paul Gunsett have the program's best interest at heart? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you touched on the fact that, you know, Paul was a technician, right? He was, he was the best technician you know, John Freed, Phil Teamy, great coaches in, in their own aspects. But, you know, Gunsett always taught the technique, and he was great at it. That was the best thing that he always brought. <clears throat> and, you know, I just wanted to jump on here real quick just to, to tell a good story because I could go on and on about Gunsett. He was, I mean, such an influence on, on my life, and I know the rest of the guys that – that we graduated with, you know, my my team that in '99, we weren't supposed to be that good, we weren't at all, and we finished, you know, state runner-up, barely lost to modern day in the state championships. That's back when they were still uh, team state, and you know, it, it it was a great experience. But that year, earlier in that year, we went to Mishawaka. Um, you know, we won Mishawaka, and uh, we were on the bus ride home. And back then, we had to take the uh, the the Dodge Caravan right, buses, right? They had, so had, fourteen or yeah. sixteen passenger yep. vans so we had like not the mini buses that we no, have no, now no, no just the vans and we had like three of them that came back and and so Gunset was driving our van and uh, we and as was the case usually me and Ben Froat and Dylan McKean we were just being our typical high schoolers know, selves yeah, yeah. and. Uh, we got we find, we eventually got to the exit off of four sixty nine onto twenty seven and just about home, and uh, Gunset pulls the van over and tells that me and uh, me and Ben have to get off on the exit ramp on the concrete and do push ups for all the stuff that we've been doing <laughs> on that van. 
So we get off there, and uh, we sit there, and we pump out our push-ups right there on the, the off-ramp on uh, off of uh, 469 on 27. And At that time of night, you were probably safe, right? I, I would think so, <laughs> yes. But, you know, just – but. Honestly, the, the things that, that Gunset has done for the whole wrestling community, the things that he's done for, for me and for our team, he's just been a blessing. He's someone that I will never forget. Um, and, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my story with, uh, with Paul. Here's my story of you. Ah. Matt has refereeing over at Norwell. And that kid dislocated his elbow, and I laid there for about 45 minutes holding his elbow together. That was the nastiest injuries I've had in, you know, in my career. But uh, you and I were on that mat together at the same time, and it was, it was not pretty, was I do, it? I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like a bag of potato chips crunching. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping on here. Yeah. We've got a couple of new guys step up here to the table. Uh, Nate Shear and uh, Matt Irwin. And uh, my broadcast uh, career started my first state finals. That guy got a state championship. And uh, I tell you what, years later, last year actually at the state finals, I was talking to uh, a young man that he wrestled in finals, and he goes, "You ever see this picture? I sent that yeah, to your mom. You saw it. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's, it's one of the nastiest slams. It's like it's a wonder he didn't kill you is, somehow. Is that, but, is that the mural that he had up at, at their school yeah, or it, something? Yeah, it's up on the <laughs> wall. It's up on the wall. And yeah, it's a matter of getting dropped on his head, and you know if he wouldn't have broke his thumb. <laughs> It took a lot longer for him to get ready than you. I don't know if you had all the cowboys cleared out yet or not. Well, I, when he picked me up, I wasn't expecting him to take me backwards. And so, you know, <laughs> then all of a sudden you're going backwards. The next thing I know, I'm, I'm laying there, and, and uh, they're, they're asking me if I'm all right. And I see Farot and, and Gunson all there in the back, and they're saying, you didn't go out. You didn't go yeah, out. Yeah. I'm you good. I'm good. Let's go. And now he, there's no way I'm winning a state championship with this being the way that I wanted. This is not going down like that. And he told me that later on you guys got to become real good friends. Yeah, so yeah, I see him. I see him out, and uh, you know, down there at Wrestling State. And every time you go down there, I mean, it's like uh, it's like a big reunion, right? You see everybody that's down there, and so talking to them and and seeing all those guys that you wrestle with and everything like that always makes that a special time to go down there and see the, the new the new blood down there competing and working hard and achieving amazing things and it gives you chills every time you see you know you see it and, and everything that they're doing so it's pretty cool well, you guys are kind of in that generation of, of guys who you know we look at the the if you looked at any of the pictures and the collages that were there today you've got that group of guys who got paul immediately after purdue when paul was still you know an elite level wrestler but you guys kind of came in a little bit later when Paul was struggling with some back problems and some physical things, but we were just talking earlier about how good of a technician he was and some of the technical things that he taught you guys. I know both of you wrestled from a really young age. Talk to me a little bit about what Paul taught you technically even before you guys reached state place or level. Um, well, <clears throat> I would say the one thing that Paul did the most for, for me was uh, transitioning from one move to another. Um, always growing up, listening to uh, the older generation talk about how Paul was a uh, chain wrestler. Um, that really affected and gave me the drive from one move to the next. Always thinking about that next move uh, before you even did the first move. Um, and, and that's something that Paul really pushed on uh, a lot of the guys up in the room, which made us all better wrestlers at the end of the day. Uh, one of the things he always was very persistent about is changing that level, switching off from right-handed to left-handed, 
Um, wrestling Paul was probably one of the most difficult things to do out of the coaches. He was funky. He was different. He was different, and he yeah. was a lefty. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. when you get taught as a young age, I mean, if you're right-handed, you learn everything right-handed. With Paul, I mean, you're expecting a right-handed single. Well, with him, it was a left-handed single. It was a left-handed high crotch, which that really throws your game off, and that helps you as a, as a wrestler in whole uh, feeling that different type of uh, wrestler technique going with that left-handed side. So, yeah, Paul was, I mean, he was a funky wrestler. He was a difficult wrestler to, to handle, but that's giving you those extra extra little bags in your tricks down the road uh, when it comes to big matches, and those those moves really helped you out at the end of the day. I remember I remember one of the first times wrestling with him, and you talking about him, like, changing, changing ties and going from one move to the next and him getting a hold of my wrist or trying to, trying to like, collar tie, moving, next thing you know, like, next thing he was underneath me, next thing, and, and I felt awkward the entire time I'm wrestling him just because he was, you know, just another level, and, yeah, he was at a different stage there, but... I remember, oh gosh, I was thinking, oh, I'm pretty tough, you know. I'd step in front of guns, all right, let's go, coach. And, and he just, you know, he's just toying with me and, and thinking, coach, coach has still got it, you know. <laughs> coach has still got it. <laughs> you know, guys will tell you that about Tim Myers when you get in a room. T- Tim's, still, Tim's still all that any of them want when it comes to a yeah. match in, in a room. Yeah. I'm, so one a funny story about that, too. The one time that they had just mopped the mats and uh, – Wrestling after practice, Coach Gunset, Coach Myers are up there, and we're wrestling around. I don't know if you remember this year. I do. I know I'm wrestling with say. I'm wrestling with Tim, and um, he slipped on the mat, and uh, he and I end up behind him. So we're wrestling, and and Tim slips because it's wet, and I end up behind him, and I'm like, Oh my God, I just got a takedown. Oh my God, I just got a takedown. Put I, ten minutes on the clock. Yeah, I tried running out of the room, and he chased me down, and before I got out of the room and snagged me ripped me back inside the room and they proceeded to beat the crap out of me for and about 10 minutes yeah 10 minutes because I, I was like oh i was like i gotta take down he's like you're gonna get a takedown and i was like oh you know. had that little stupid uh clock that they always yeah. set and you had to push the button <laughs> on the back and uh yeah i remember gun set going over there and putting 10 minutes on there <laughs> and i just sat back and laughed because i knew what was happening to Irwin out of that deal yeah, I paid uh, that one. one other element that i i tried to touch on this week in the paper, Paul really loved the sport of wrestling. There are some coaches who really like to win high school dual meets or really like to be in the limelight of individual tournaments, but there are few coaches out there who will sit and watch as much college wrestling or who will pick apart a JV tournament and tell you what he thinks as what Paul did. And he really, truly loved the sport from all levels, regardless of, of where Belmont was involved. You know, in some of those years where Belmont didn't have a placer, Paul was definitely not one who was going to go home early. He was one who was going to be sitting in the stands watching the state finals. And I think that rubbed off on, on a lot of his wrestlers. You always had something to learn when you sat next to him. You know, him teaching you stuff, there was always something to learn. And I think that is, he was a true student of wrestling and it didn't matter what was going on he was always learning he was always interested he was always paying attention and there was always something to learn from that and i think that's something that you learn from those guys in that room is that work ethic that drive that persistence and that was something that rubbed off on all of us is those things that they brought to the table you know and that's one of those things that you know somebody mentioned earlier that that paul is not real good when he was younger and he made himself a better wrestler 
you know, when the high, when the seniors go down to the to the elementaries and run that little tournament, I went over to Northwest Zion and I coached his, his brother Brian, and uh, Brian was a very good athlete, and Paul was kind of squirrely little guy on the side, and he's kind of goof around, and it just he was not there yet. His brother was already there, and it, it's one of those things he worked at to become good, and and it it didn't happen by accident, and it, you know. You see those guys are just totally gifted athletes. Yeah. Then you see those other guys that just really have to work at it. And you as a coach, you know that. You see guys come in a room, it's like, that kid's got potential. This kid, you know, he can work hard. This kid's already elite. This kid may never get there, but he's going to work hard. And you, you watch, as a coach, you watch these kids grow into somebody that said, you know, that kid I, five years ago, I didn't think that kid was going to be a good, and now he's made himself into a good wrestler. And that says something about the person that he was, just about that not going to give up, that persistence, the – gonna gonna learn and and i've you know as a, i've had the opportunity to coach people like that is just is that you know that persistence and say hey like i'm gonna learn i'm gonna get better and that's part of who he is right i mean that with that work ethic and that persistence and just that story that you know rex saying that's that's definitely paul yeah and when i you know when paul first asked me to ramp up my responsibilities with the team one thing that i was really shocked at not coming from a wrestling background really was i didn't realize how much time paul was giving on the youth side of things and nathan i know just in the last couple months you've sort of upped your commitment to to decatur wrestling club to helping the youth kids i mean how many years did paul wrestle in the room with guys like you and get real physical and then go down, change clothes real quick or, you know, put on a different shirt, grab a drink of water, go to the bathroom, and then boom, he's showing the exact same moves to six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and he never thought twice about it, and that's just what he did. Well, I, uh, I mean, I started wrestling when I was five. I remember Paul, the day that I started wrestling, he was up there. I mean, you look at the history of Belmont wrestling, I mean, we were just talking about a little bit ago. I mean, Dave Shirak, John Free, um, I mean, all those guys. I mean, Tim, he was up there. Uh, BJ's been a staple. I mean, AJ Calver, I remember growing up knowing him at Lures, but I knew that name as a staple in Belmont wrestling. Um, I mean, Paul, he was, he was such an asset to Belmont wrestling and Decatur Wrestling Club um, from when I started. And, and to this day, I mean, he's... He is one of the, the leading backgrounds to Belmont Wrestling and always will be. Um, I mean, what he showed us as I was five years old and moving up is something that I'm going to take to the next generation, and that generation will take it to the next generation. So Belmont Wrestling in a whole, it, it, it starts from the ground up, and that ground started a long, long time ago. And one of the things we did today, too, after we walked through and, and got to say our last goodbyes to him is we got to go back up to that wrestling room. Um, one of the things that just you want to talk about heritage of Belmont wrestling, that wall. Um, every state placer is on that wall. Every state qualifier and, and everything else, pictures are on the wall. That, to me, is, is what Belmont wrestling's about. And, I mean, my son's five years old this year. He's up there. He's going to see that, see what kind of people were in front of him, behind him. Every, everybody's... I mean, Belmont, Decatur, Adams County is Belmont Wrestling. Um, and, and I do believe that Paul is one of the biggest assets to, to this. I think what you brought up is a good point, too, you, the amount of time that was invested. But he invested that in people. 
and that that was shown in what you saw today if you showed up to that gym was his investment in people and how much people that meant to people in our community people stood in, in line for four or five hours because that he made a difference in so many people's lives and it was because of those things that that time he invested in not only young adults but those relationships that he had with the parents and relationships he had with his teammates and the relationships that he had with the kids in the youth club that then grew up through the program and knew him their entire life and so you think about the impact that he had not only as an educator and as a teacher but the time that he invested in people in itself was a testament as to why this community showed up because he means that much to people and I think that's the biggest testament to who Paul was when you see that type of impact across the community, across so many different people and people that traveled from long distances away to come back and, and pay their respects to him and his family. It says a lot. Yeah, we're also joined now by former teammate Pat Mendez. Uh, you know, we saw a whole group of Purdue guys walk in today. Um, you know, I don't know where all of those guys came from. But, man, did they feel sort of galvanized and collected as they came in and, and paid their respects. And I know we talked earlier about how Paul wore his Purdue fandom on his, on his shoulder. But, I mean, I think that was one of the coolest moments of today. Seeing those guys walk in, you know, their, their brother had fallen. But just sort of the – I don't even know how to describe it. The, the, the feeling of, of being a team – and the love that they had for each other, and I'm sure that's something that you had with Paul as a high school teammate. Oh, yeah, I did. You know, I looked up the Paul uh, gun set. Uh, as an, you know, at the time when I was in high school, I was a 119 pounds. Paul was 135. Every now and then, uh, I would have to be put against against uh, Paul Baker and Paul Gunset. Uh, I'll tell you what, you, you know, you think you're pretty good until you run into those guys and then you, you're not that good and then you realize yeah i got a lot of work to do but those guys really uh paul baker and paul gunsett would talk to me about what i did wrong what i would do right you know what could do, what, what how you know my penetration step would help them help me out you know in order to take them down and all that but uh they would really help me out as far as i personally i did not like going against paul gunsett or paul, paul baker uh going against those two guys uh really opened my eyes up on how much work I had to do as a as an underclassman but I really enjoyed working with Paul he was a really good uh, hard worker you could see it on the on the mat in the practice room and you can actually see it in the wrestling room you could, or on the, on the wrestling matches uh, he would just just uh, you know elevate the, the, the level of a, of a technique to go uh, all around uh, one of my fondest memories that I, I can share with uh, with uh, Decatur is uh, when I was uh, a junior and Paul was, a, you know, of course, a senior, uh, I was getting ready to wrestle a match. And it was the beginning of the season, and Paul just comes up to me. And, and uh, you know, I'm just a guy that just wanted, to, just wanted to win, just wanted to win a match. Paul comes up to me and says, hey, you got this. I tech followed this kid in second period. And I'm thinking, yeah, all right. And I walked away, and I'm thinking, man, I'm in the battle for my life. If Paul tech followed this kid in second period, I'm in the battle for my life. Because, you know, Paul, you, you just – what he did was he raised the level of, of uh, competition for me. I just wanted to win, but now I got a goal. Now I got to tech fall this kid in the second period. 
because that's what Paul told. Was that's what he told me? Like I tech followed this kid. Like, well, if you tech followed him, that means I got to tech follow him. I didn't tech follow him, but I tech. I, I, I it was a pretty uh, solid uh, major decision on that kid. But I, I definitely specifically remember Paul coming up to me and just saying that, and then just raising the level of of, uh, of uh, raising the bar that far up. You know, from just wanting to win to I got to tech follow this kid in the second period. So that's what Paul does, and. Um, he, he, he really brought the – you could just see it in the wrestling room. Man, he just won after it, won after – you know, he go after every guy and just wouldn't get tired, won what, whatsoever. He just – he was part of Belmont High School. And I would see Paul, uh, Paul Gunsett once a year. I moved down to Madison, down south, and then I would call, I would call Paul and I would give him uh, – I would give him, uh, you know, sp- uh, scouting reports from – Southern wrestlers from from the from the Evansville Modern Day Semi State, and if we if we had a Belmont wrestler uh, wrestling in first round, somebody from the Modern Day area, then I would call Paul Gunset or Tim Myers and let him and give him a, 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 a scouting report on some of those wrestlers. So we kept in contact, um, and you know I just you know words cannot express what Paul Gunset did for this program. Um, you know it was. It was a, uh, it was great, wonderful feeling just to be part of the 88, 89, uh, 87 team, and to know that Paul Gunsett won that. Um, I don't know if too many people know about this, but you know when 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 somebody goes into a sporting event and they do an interview right after it's over, that interview is not really the best interview to go. You know, like let him breathe. You know, let him get his thoughts right. I, well, know, with, I know from experience. Yeah. It's not the best time to interview somebody. Exactly. Well, with Paul, as soon as he won the state championship, he, had, he, quote, he was quoted from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. And I, and I can read this to you. You know, they ask him, you know, how, you know, you've been a state qualifier for four years. How does this compare to all the other four years you know, since you won it? He goes, man, this is, it tastes so much better because I want it for us. I felt relaxed, and all I wanted to do was win. I didn't want to let the team down. That's what Paul Gunsett said at the interview as soon as he won that state championship. I did not want to let the team down. And, boy, I tell you what, he did not let the team down. He did not let Decatur down. And I tell you what, we are still talking about this particular match 30 years later. And that's amazing. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what Paul Gunsett did. He raised the level of competition. He raised the level. He raised the bar for Belmont High School. And that's the part of Belmont High School wrestling history that's going to continue in Decatur, Indiana, with Tim Myers leading the reins of the, of the, the coaching staff. So uh, it's a great loss. Uh, I admire Paul, and I will remember. No one but God can take away these memories from me. And I will remember Paul as being one of the best wrestlers that's ever come out of Belmont High School. And I'll say that to anybody and everybody that comes around. Um, there are only a handful of people that are, I consider the elite wrestlers that come out of Belmont High School. Paul Gunsett is one amongst, is, is, is probably up there. Uh, there's a couple out there. Yeah, Tim Myers, you're there too. All right. All right, that's all I got to say. Uh, uh, it's a sad time that we get together, but I'm telling you, we, with the 88, 89 team and the 88 team, we're getting together, we're getting, we're having all of our good memories, uh, we're here to celebrate the life of Paul Gunsett, and we are doing a great job about it, and this is what Paul wanted, he didn't want us to mourn about what happened, 
Uh, we're here together, and we're here to celebrate his life. And I want Decatur, Indiana, to know that uh, Paul Gunsett, he has put Decatur on the map. And uh, I, yeah, I could go on, on, and on all night long, but I'm going to stop right now because, you know what, I'm done. Absolutely. But, uh, well, thank you for sharing, for sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Certainly thinking about Paul and uh, all of those team moments from wrestler to coach to all of those things, it, it brings back about a lot of memories. We go from one Mendez to another. Tim uh, Mendez joining us now, thinking about Paul as a coach from the parent side of things. Talk yeah, to me a I, little bit. I was going to give you the – the, um, as a fan and as a parent, um, with my kid going through the program itself, I've been a long-time Belmont wrestling fan. I remember when Paul came in in 1985. He came into as a freshman with uh, Billy Hinkledyer, Mickey Free. Um, I think Tyler Cowens was wrestling then also. At that time, he was the young freshman stud coming out in, into the team. And uh, I just remember seeing Paul knowing that he was going to be something special. I was only 18 then, a senior, and Paul was a freshman. And then as life has gone on, being a wrestling fan of Belmont, seeing Paul Baker, John Froat, these wrestlers that came in and were building from the 79 Braves that were the runners-up. That, that was our claim to fame then, was runner-up, 79. And then these boys came in and they they climbed the mountain and did it. So that was something as a fan that we were waiting for for years, and they brought it to us. And, uh, you know, John Kintz, I can just say the guys that were on that team that have meant such a big thing. But the thing with Paul was he went the next level after the two titles, and then he went to Purdue Wrestling, and then he comes back and brings it back to Belmont, and then he helps his son um, Daniel and my son are in the same class so being a parent with the coach raising kids we also um, did little league together um, I, I coached with Paul Paul knew nothing about baseball I knew something about baseball and Paul knew nothing about but wasn't that I mean <laughs> I, I've heard a couple different stories you know Paul volunteered his time as an assistant soccer coach with with Steve Lee because Emily was interested in soccer and he was willing to give whatever knowledge he had from a sporting view even though he had never played soccer I don't believe as a professional he volunteered his time to be uh, a track coach at some point when Emily was really good um, in the distance running but like doesn't that say a lot about Paul that it didn't matter I mean he didn't need to be a state champion in something to be able to give his time yeah he knew how to coach mm -hmm. and that that's the thing he knew how to give what he needed to to someone who was developing their skills. He knew what it took to do something. So he didn't have to be the best at it. And he knew who to go to do help. So that's a good thing about Paul. And just raising kids together. Um, we were in Lamaze class together with, with Amy and Paul. And I've just known Paul for such a long time. Um, Jen and I have really been, our hearts been broken for Amy and for us too. Um, Paul's a good friend of mine and uh, I'm going to miss him. Um, the talking, every match since Mason graduated before when he was wrestling, he'd come up to me and give me his little Paul moments. Um, the, the, the Paul being late, Paul misdirection, 
you know, these are things when you know Paul, this, it was, just makes you laugh because that's really what Paul was about. But when he was out there doing his thing, being a coach, being a wrestler, being that, that other stuff, that being all over the place, that's not where he was. He was at the mat, on the mat, doing what he was supposed to on the mat. Uh, I just really, I, I love this guy. Um, that whole 88 class was something that is just so, everyone is just attached to. Well, and, and Paul's part of it. Paul's pride in those boys around Mason and Daniel's age was very evident for anybody who was involved in that sort of era of Belmont wrestling. Yeah. You could tell that he took pride in the accomplishments of all of those kids um, from, you know, the sort of the, the, the four years before that to Mason to the Mambas to all the way through. And even when, um, you know, this new breed of, of seniors came through the class with Ike and Dobie and Calvin, uh, you know, he was with those kids as a youth coach all the way from the time, as Nathan said earlier, when he was five years old. It coached them all the way through, and he was so proud of all of that they accomplished, the, from the state titles that they won to the simple dual meets that they won in front of fans. One of my most vivid memories from the last few weeks of Paul's life was um, we were all just, you know, from the time that we heard to the time that there was surgery, nobody knew what to think, nobody knew what to do. And uh, everybody was trying to figure out what tribute was appropriate and those types of things. But one of the simplest things that I did for Paul and that I think he appreciated the most, and I think this speaks a lot to how he felt about the whole program, when my wife and I were sitting there up in our little corner, with, and Dan Kentz joins us now, uh, we usually sit right in front of you. Like, I called Paul, put it on speaker, and he listened to Crazy Train as the team ran out. And, like, that's all he needed to feel like he was there. And, you know, to try to explain to somebody who's not from this program, who's not from this community, what listening to silly Ozzy Osbourne playing Crazy Train and, you know, Roger Boldemeyer will forgive him because he doesn't like Crazy Train, but everybody else. People just don't understand it. It's, they it's don't, a Belmont thing. They don't get it. It will never leave you. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I, I, I just think Paul was trying to come to terms with everything that was happening worrying about the surgery, the season was starting, but, like, he wanted to hear that song. And then we were trying to text some results. And Xavier Palacios, it was his first match, right? We were wrestling Wawasee. Yep. It wasn't on the radio because yep. we had football semi-state. And so Paul was really concerned because he didn't know what was going on because he had leaned on radio coverage, and it wasn't there. And I remember texting him that, uh, Xavier was within a point or it was tied in the third period and you know Paul has cancer, Paul is facing death, he is facing brain surgery and what's Paul's first response to Xavier being in trouble oh I bet his mom is really concerned, I bet his mom's really worked up, I bet Kathy is really uh, nervous and like he didn't think anything of himself, he only thought of his wrestlers his wrestlers parents the program, whether or not we were going to beat Wawasee, and what that meant for us going forward. And I just think that says so much about Paul. You know, before Dan steps in, he's got to say he's got a Paul story. The crazy train thing, we, we interviewed uh, Dane, uh, Blaine Culp on the radio, and he said that 
his guys were looking for their run-out team, and the guy said, you were going to play Crazy Tane. He said, no, you're not. He said, that's Belmont's song. You can't have it. He said, you're not to their level. You can't have their song. Pick a different one. And that's, that's Blaine's story on that. That's, that's tradition. Well, thank you for, your, for letting me on. I yep. uh, appreciate it. So just a quick my Paul and Amy story. So they've been married since 19, sorry, Amy, if you ever listen to this, 1994, summer 94. I drove Paul and Amy from their wedding day, Zion Church, to the Hoagland Hayloft. Hotter than heck that day. They're in the back seat of the Model A rumble seat. And uh, the way we're going, and uh, yeah, we're having fun, having a couple drinks. Next thing you know, there's a skunk crossing the road. <laughs> so we hit the brake, lock them up as much as you can lock up a Model A's uh, brakes. And Paul goes, oh, my gosh, we just missed that. And we started again, and then here came six baby skunks following that mother across the road. But can you imagine a bride and groom showing up to the wedding reception after getting sprayed by a skunk? There's not enough tomato juice to make that go away, is <laughs> no, there? No, no. And that's kind of how, the way Paul was, is, you know, it's he had a hell of a lot of fun. He pushed the limit, but never got hurt and never got burnt. And, uh, man, oh, man, if we could all live that way, that'd be great. Now, from what the stories we've heard earlier from your brother tonight, it's a good thing you drove him to the wedding reception because he might have turned the wrong way and been in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's certainly, true. certainly that's shouldn't true. have uh, have driven himself based on what we've heard. That's for sure. You know, these young kids today, they don't understand that the Hoagland Hayloft was the shizzles. <laughs> it was the deal back in the day. It was the it, deal. It was the deal. Dancing up top, partying down below. That's right. And if it was hot, the doors were open and there was no air conditioning. And I yeah. met my wife at a wedding reception at the Hoagland Hayloft a gazillion years ago. Well, certainly some great stories about Paul, and I think about all the time that I spent with him, and uh, there were, my wife and I were sharing a story about, uh, I don't remember if it was around the time, Bryce and John Becker and Caleb Hankinson and those guys, and it, it whatever it was, it, it didn't go right, and I think it was one of those, maybe Belmont Super Duel nights, or, you know, there was that, right at the end when, when Belmont was inviting all these great teams and we were getting our butt whooped, and Paul just wanted to to get together and talk about wrestling even though we had lost and it must have been a snowstorm that night or something and paul sat there in our kitchen until it had to have been one or two a.m no, and then not paul. and then finally <laughs> finally amy was ready to go home and we're like okay well we'll see you guys we'll see you guys on monday and they go it was paul and it was amy and it was daniel and they go out the door and we think you know we're going to go to bed we're going to finally get some sleep and then all of a sudden we hear knocking we can't figure out what it is. Here it's Paul. They got in a car stuck in a snowstorm. They, they got it stuck in our circle of drive, and they couldn't, couldn't get it out. There is Mr. Pendowski. It's like we just saw him a couple days ago. Eddie Pendowski. These guys need my headphones. But my last, before you leave, Paul loved to sit around and talk about wrestling. It, wasn't, it wasn't about personal glory. It wasn't about, hey, look what Belmont did. It was whoever won on Saturday – we're going to sit around and we're going to drink beer and we're going to talk about it until I can't keep my eyes open anymore. And it didn't matter whether Belmont won that trophy that day or whether Jay County beat him or whether Adam Central beat him. He wanted to talk about it. 
And I think he appreciated any time that somebody was willing to sit down and talk about it, even when it didn't go the way that you wanted it to. That's right. That's and right. I think that says a lot about his love of sport. Yep. My wife asked me, she said, how, how do you guys remember all these stories about these, all these wrestling matches 20, 30 years ago? And I said, when you can't remember, they can't remember to take your garbage out, but you can remember <laughs> exactly. this stuff. Exactly. And I said, it's because we talk about it a week later, yep. a month later, a year later. We've talked about it so much, we'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah, this came. Memories. This is John. I just jumped back in to warn everyone that the Purdue t- uh, uh, Paul's teammates from Purdue, the Purdue wrestlers, they are here right now. Time to go off quick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's time to get your daughters home from wherever they are, or, or your or your wives, your grandma. Yeah, this safe time period, this safe window, this window of safety out there on the streets. That's hey, good. Let's thank get. You, thank you, Dane. Thank you, Rex, so much. Appreciate it so much. And I know the Gunset family really appreciates what you're doing tonight. And with that, I think we're going to give uh, Steve Rouse a break here so we can cut this off. Uh, We've been going an hour and 45 minutes, and we could go five hours and 45 minutes probably, but uh, Steve won't won't stand for that, and the podcast will be way too long. So, Dan, I think it's all been said tonight. Uh, It's been said by the fact that you stood in line with thousands of people tonight at the Belmont High School. And my only one thing is I think that they should open a concession stand up and throw popcorn in it. It would have been a much better event. Maybe, maybe, maybe a, a, a few beers would have been in order. but That's uh, not legal at the that's probably, North Adams Community probably School. Probably not legal. Um, with that, I, I'd like to uh, say goodbye to my friend David Paul Gunsett, and uh, tomorrow we lay him to rest, but uh, all of these stories will, will live on for a long time. With that, that concludes the Haggard Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly for this week. Tune in next week, same time, same channel, here on WZBD.